Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, did you hear about the, the dad who went to his son's high school playoff game, and the dad had dressed as a, as a referee? <laughs> and he basically sort of walked up and down the sidelines having conversations with the crew actually working the game. And, well... You're not going to believe what happened. That, 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 that's coming up later on in the hour. But first of all, uh, let me ask you a very direct question. Do you feel that, that youth sports has become a, a playground for only those kids who come from an affluent family? The reason I ask is because I continue to get emails and notes from listeners who are quietly asking me whether we are reaching a point where only those households which can pay hundreds or even thousands of dollars a year, can provide a pathway for the kids who want to continue to play sports. Now, look, I'm not talking about the $50 or $75 you have to pay to register your your six-year-old for a local youth rec soccer or or hoops league. No, no, I'm talking about the travel and club organizations, those programs which cost real money. For example, I received an email the other day from a dad down south where he was saying that his son had to pay just to try out for his high school baseball team, something like $150 as a tryout fee. If he doesn't make the team, well, the high school still keeps his money. Now, we know that in many public schools, uh, school budgets don't cover athletic fees, uh, and that's quietly, unfortunately, becoming more and more of the norm around the country. Uh, or the sports uh, booster club will hold a fundraiser, and as part of that fundraising activity, any youngster who wants to be a member of the high school team has to pledge a certain amount, usually in the hundreds of dollars. Now, high school boards are well aware that if a kid is a talented athlete these days, more and more of these kids don't even bother playing for their school team. They just remain with their club team outside of school. We know that. That's one of the main reasons why we see fewer and fewer kids playing sports in high school these days. And look, I know, I know money is tight, especially if you have a son or daughter who really loves playing sports and they want to pursue that sport aggressively. I mean, I can recall paying for my son being on an elite travel hockey team. I mean, he had games every Saturday and Sunday from Labor Day to Easter. And of course, I was paying for the gas, the motels, the food, even airfare in some cases plus the thousands in fees for the coaches' salaries, ice time, and whatever. I mean, it was just, it was very, very expensive. And remember, I loved watching my son play hockey, but I have to tell you, it was very, very expensive in every way. And these days, that was like 10, 15 years ago. These days, it's going to become even worse. And I'm, I'm curious. I, 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 this is a, a trend 
that we all know is going on. I, I'm looking for solutions. Um, I, I don't really know what's going to happen down the road if we're just going to, as I said many times on the program, we're just going to see high school varsity programs sort of devolve into just sort of like recreational or intramural teams. And the club mentality is going to take over. And, you know, if, if you're a mom or a dad and you have one youngster who plays, uh, you know, on a pay-for-play situation and you have several kids who are good athletes in your family, this can really bankrupt the family budget. It's as simple as that. What's the solution? I don't know. I'm looking for some ideas from you this morning at one 337 6666 Let's get into this. Uh, let's start with our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? I thought last week when you had Roman Oban on, that was outstanding. Yeah, I got tremendous, tremendous feedback about uh, Roman talking about uh, what it was like to be a former NFL player himself and now going through the recruiting process You know, with his son. Uh, that was a really good show. Th- thank you, Ed. No, it was. Rick, I think one of the big issues is you know, with the with the cost or stuff, when you're trying to select tournaments to to participate in, that that's what's a good amount of the budget that that that's uh, making uh, travel teams uh, have their costs go up every year. It's it's amazing how how high these prices are. I'm working on our travel schedule on all our teams where I coach at. I'm looking at these prices. It's like ridiculous, and I'm trying to figure out what's the best way for our travel teams to get noticed without, uh, again, putting a dent in the parents' pocket. Well, Ed, why, let's talk about for a second. Let's get into the, uh, to the grassroots in this. When you're, when you're looking at a, at a baseball tournament, uh, first of all, you know, it's going to be, let's say, over a 4th of July weekend or, or something, or Memorial Day, whatever it might be. Why, why are they so expensive? I mean, is it just a, a situation where the hosts are trying to fatten their wallets, or, or are there real? Well, it's, ve- it's very simple, Rick. The, like you said, the hosts are trying to fatten their wallets. Are you looking at perfect game? Their, their prices are going up every year, every year. And, and then here's the crazy part. They charge the parents to, to come watch their kids play. Now, what do you mean by that? What do you mean they like, charge the parents? So, like, let, let's say you went to a perfect game event, wherever it may be. The parents got to got to pay every time they go in to watch their son play. Oh, you mean at, at the gate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like ridiculous. Now, like for example, I run two showcase events, okay, and I try to make it as minimal as possible because again, I got coaches coming in. You know the way it is now in college. You know to get coaches to come, you kind of got to pay them, uh, but but they also work. You know it. You know there's there's it is expenses that are involved like. You know, feeding the coaches, if, if they're going to travel, putting them up in hotels. And it was funny. I was working on it yesterday while I was sitting home. I'm, not, I'm making minimal money on it, but which I don't mind because besides my travel teams, I'm hoping the other seven teams each week that I have at the Shogis app are going to get exposure in front of college coaches. You know, the thing is, Ed, um, and as you just mentioned, there are a lot of different layers here. But obviously, this is again. We all know this operates. This is these are for-profit operations. This is not like a um, we're doing this out of the kindness of our heart for these kids. Uh, it, it's it, it costs real money. And as you said, that's just baseball. Uh, obviously, the kid plays other sports as well. Uh, you know, the parents begin to sort of say, "Well, what point do I stop paying for all this?" And that's that's the essence. I mean, do you see any way around this? Is it partable? Some people say, "But why not getting just corporate sponsorship? Get the the, the corporations." Who uh, who are into involved in, you know, in in athletics for kids? Why don't they help out? 
Well, again, you know, sometimes you try to reach out to these organizations, and, and they, they, a lot of times they don't return your email back. Unless they know you're an elite elite travel pro or whatever, then they may go out of their way and respond. But if you're not, they, they don't want to, you know, they really don't want to uh, get involved. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's, and that's, that's where I think a lot of this uh, is sort of heading towards uh, because we have to find a way uh, to find somebody somewhere to subsidize these programs because, yeah, eventually the parents are going to say, I can't afford it, and I'm sorry, but, um, no, you, you can't go and play on that elite uh, program because uh, we just don't have the money for it. It's simple as that. Well, well, you know, it's amazing. Like I said, I run two showcases, and then I run a, a tournament named after legendary scout Ed Ford from New Jersey. Yeah. In all my years, I have not raised the cost. I, I've kept it the same, and I've had – you know, teams coming back, be, and that's one of the reasons that I'm not trying to jack the cost up to make more money. And yeah. Again, I try to realize what teams have to pay. Even if teams put multiple teams in my event, I give them a discount or whatever. A lot of these events won't give discounts. Well, it's going to have at some point. It's going to reach a boiling point where it's just going to go away, and and uh, or you know, it's just it's going to fall apart. I mean. And, Ed, thank you, as always, for the insights. Uh, greatly Have appreciate it. Have a great day, Rick. Thanks, Ed. You know, and, and as Ed points out, he's involved in this, but, you know, it, it, it seems like everybody is looking at, at this way of uh, some sort of buffet where you can just keep, uh, you know, pulling as much cash as you want, and obviously the money's coming out of the parents. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Paul over in Norwood. Hi, Paul. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I'm headed from New York up to Boston after the weekend, but... Uh, my son is a freshman in college right now, so I just went through uh, the decade plus of pain for town hockey, middle school hockey, lacrosse, lacrosse camp, elite hockey, yep, yep, the, whole, yep. the, the equipment, everything. Sure. And, you know, we're of modest means. I mean, his mom and I are both college graduates who make a decent living. But for anybody else uh, that I can imagine, it's a struggle financially to pay for all this. And uh, it's really one big money-making machine if you look at it, you know, pretty quickly. A lot of these coaches in these leagues are using it as a showcase for themselves, really, to try to move up through the coaching ranks. Uh, my son's lacrosse program, his coach that runs that uh, elite program, is now a uh, head coach at the college level. And I think you see that happening. So. I don't know how we defray the cost for the kids. It shouldn't be like this. I mean, I played CYO baseball growing up in Queens, and my parents might have had to write a check, but it was, you know, for a few bucks right, to right. pay the umpires. That was it, and a glove. Yep. Paul, I, I, that's something I you're going through this, you just said, and, and uh, yeah, and there was a time not that long ago where, you know, yeah, you, you, you the mom and dads had to pay for a few bucks for CYO or something like that, but now... It's just mushroomed. You know, a few a few months ago, uh, I had Sean uh, Gregory on the show, uh, who's a journalist, and uh, he'd written a big cover story for Time magazine. And, and he was saying uh, the fact that uh, youth sports in this country have now become a $15 billion industry. And it's all because of the fact that, uh, the, well, I guess you would call them entrepreneurial coaches, have found a way to, to figure out, you know, I can make a buck on this by basically – uh, parlaying the parents' dreams for their kids to come to you know, my travel team, to go to these tournaments, to go to showcases, in the, in the grand pursuit of somehow I'm gonna, these kids are going to go on to play college and get an athletic scholarship, when, of course, the odds are that they aren't. 
But again, the parents feel that sense of obligation that they have to do this. So they're taking that money, uh, you know, in, into uh, those, those athletic pursuits when perhaps they should be saving that money either for their own retirement or for their kids' college education. But that's the mentality we're in today, and it's a real problem. Paul, thank you for the call. I, you know, I appreciate that. I mean, it's Paul just went through this, and I know a lot of you are. I mean, I, that's reality. If you're a sports parent today, you know, by the time your kid is, if they have any, any flash of athletic talent, time they're six, seven, eight years old, you're going through this process, and it just seems like it's uh, endless endless kind of uh, bottomless pit of, of pay for this and pay for that. It's a problem. All right, let me, let me take a pause. I want to get into this even more. I'm looking for solutions here. one 337 6666 After Dave's, uh, Dave Uriam's update, I'll come right back and take your calls. Stay with us. And me. welcome back to the Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. We're talking this morning about pay for play and how it's just sort of uh, spiraling out of control. If you are a sports parent today and your kid plays on a travel or, or club team, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the, the rising cost expenses, uh, paying for everything from being on the team, which pays for the coach's salaries, for the fields or the hockey rinks or whatever, the cost of the officials, insurance, and obviously you have to pay to get to those games and take your kid on the road. It's, it's really getting to be out of control. And uh, in fact, uh, just uh, this past week, HBO Sports did a piece about um, uh, pay-for-play in America, and they, uh, you know, they, they didn't really break any new ground. Uh, they just basically reiterated what we already know, that this is getting to be out of control. We're looking for solutions here. Uh, and you know, before the break, we were talking about maybe the time has come for corporations to come in and help uh, defray some of the cost or to sponsor some of these teams. But then again, you know, we've seen how that's worked with, let's say, Adidas and, and uh, college basketball. So that not, may be a non-starter as well, knowing of Adidas and, and their abilities to, to unfortunately influence uh, kids' parents and but with bribes and so on and so forth. So we're looking for ideas and answers here. Again, it wasn't that long ago, pay-for-play was not a concern. Kids played sports within their communities, and they played on their high school teams. And, you know, maybe that isn't the ultimate solution here either, but something has to change. Simple as that. Let's, let's continue our calls. Let's go to uh, Chris up in Suffern in Rockland County. Chris, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. First time, long time. How are you doing this morning? Good, Chris. How are you? Good. Just heading down to the Jets game. I wanted to talk to you. My son, he's about to head to Tufts to play football. Yep. Uh, he got a scholarship. But uh, I remember when I was a kid, we would sell – you know, uh, you know, Hershey bars and Skittles out of a box. That's and right. That's how we'd make money. Yes. My solution, I think now, is it's just one thing: back to basics. They got all these turf fields and everything, which are nice, and maybe scientifically they have a lot of uh, you know use. But I think you go back to grass fields, or you know, you don't have these big places where they're lifting weights. Chris, we lost you there. We may have lost Chris, but the point is that obviously he's he's his solution is going back again to basics, back to little you know when the kids. Uh, did fundraisers to uh, you know raise money for their their teams and whatever? Or as as Chris was saying, you know maybe we're getting we're getting too far along the line of basically. And I'm gathering what he was suggesting was we're getting too professionalized with our kids at too young an age with all the various accoutrements that we give our kids when it comes to to youth sports. Maybe that's correct. That's a possibility. Let's move on. Let's go to um, let's go to Rory up in Brookfield, Connecticut. Hey, Rory, you're on the fan. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have four children. One of them is a competitive cheerleader, does a year-round program. Uh-huh. Um, my my wife drives about 40 minutes. Um, there are other kids in the area that 
you know, like happens in many situations for many parents that, that, um, that have these types of issues, especially financially. So we do do a carpool, you know, um, there are a couple issues. Unfortunately, I have more kind of issues than, than solutions. But, uh, one of the, one of the things my wife and I were talking about the other day is actually the actual strain that it causes on our marriage because, you know, we, we never get to see each other because my wife is either driving my daughter around to cheer competitions or every other weekend they're doing fundraisers. Um, and unfortunately our, one of our younger daughters, uh, also wants to get involved in cheer. Um, I was a high, uh, um, and we just can't afford it. And I was a high school and college all American swimmer myself. I worked as a teacher. I work as a teacher currently. Right. And I also work as a coach. So one of the things, one of the perspectives I have is I understand that, you know, coaches need to make money. Um, many of those coaches rely on that money in order to pay their families. So it, it, it you know, I do like the ideas of uh, possibly pulling corporations in to assist to defray some of the costs. Um, I do like the ideas of, uh, you know, the idea of uh, using fundraisers. And, uh, you know, I have had conversations with my daughter and, and even spoken to her. She is a freshman in high school right now about the fact that, you know, it does cause a huge strain on the family. It's a difficult conversation to have because... I understand how important well, the cheerleading I, is to her. It's an extraordinarily difficult conversation to have. If you have four children and uh, they all have their own dreams athletically, and as you said, Rory, I mean, you know, it, it's it's. Um, I don't care what kind of family or how successful or how affluent the family may be. There are limits, and and not only that in terms of just the financial, but uh, but also just the time constraints. I mean, how many how many events can can a mom or dad? you know, take to their kids to, you know, on, on a weekly basis. It's just, you just run out of time eventually. And it's, these are the kind of stresses and strains, which again, didn't exist uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And yet now, as you say, this is sort of like uncharted territory. You got to figure out a way with your wife to make this happen. And, and you know, it's real hard. So yeah, maybe corporations, uh, and spend, instead of spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, let's say on Super Bowl ads, maybe they go and they start spending money on, on local uh, teams and, and uh, you know, situations where kids can actually afford to, to be there. Um, yeah, one of the very interesting uh, things that my wife and I did is because, you know, once a month, sometimes twice a month when the competition season really hits, we stepped back, we took a look at the credit cards, um, took a look at the competition fees, everything else, and we realized we were we are literally spending just – under $20,000 a year for her to participate in cheer between hotel costs. And we kind of shook our heads and said, well, it's not too surprising, you know. That's a lot of money. I, I mean, it uh, absolutely is. And, and, but yet that's where you have to sort of say, you sit down with your wife and say, to what end is this, is this going to, is our child going to get an athletic scholarship, uh, you know, for cheer? I mean, is this, is this money being well spent? Is there ways we can cut back without, you know, basically quelching her dreams? I mean, yeah, yeah, she doesn't. Uh, interestingly enough, and, and we're we're struggling because you know the high school program is it's just not quite as competitive. Yeah, and I'm sure you know other parents can feel that same strain if their kids want to compete for a team that can offer better coaching. Um, you know, just you know more elite uh, services just in general. Um, and my daughter is is adamantly against you know, and it's not that the high school team isn't as you know. It's it's just not as an advanced a program well, as, as what she needs. Of course, and obviously she also feels that if she does that, there's a certain amount of peer pressure that, well, you know, 
sure, I'll do the high school, but I should be at a higher level. And, and again, that's all part of the issue, the psychology of this, too. It, it, Rory, I, I feel for you, my friend. It, it's difficult, uh, and, and there aren't really any positive solutions we can turn to at this juncture. I just don't know what it's going to take, but something is going to have to change sooner or later because you're, you're like a, one of many hundreds of thousands of other parents in the same boat. It's as, it's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I thank you for your time. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't necessarily know that. I, I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact, too, because I'm one myself. And, and it's it's actually what, you know, having, you know, without sounding arrogant, having been a high school and college All-American swimmer, I mean, um, I'm, you know, I get a decent, a, a pretty good salary for the competitive team that I coach for. Interestingly enough, my kids didn't choose swimming, which, <laughs> which is uh, which is kind of killer for me because I could have gotten free. Uh, I could it could have gotten free competition well, fees with the team that I coach for. But but the point is the know. fact that you were an accomplished swimmer yourself. Obviously, you had competed at higher levels growing up. Certainly, that there was that cost your parents some money uh, to take you around and so on and so forth, but not to the extreme that you're going through this now with your own kids. It's just yeah, something is really, something is really out of whack and, and out of sync, and that's the problem. Rory, thank, yep. thank you again Enjoy for sharing this. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, Rory is, is typical of so many sports parents today who obviously love sports. He was a very good swimmer. He's All-American, and now he's saddled with these unbelievable debts uh, and concerns with his own kids, and he and his wife are trying to find, a, you know, trying to to to, to tread water uh, so they can pay their bills, so the kids can pursue their dreams. To what end? That's the ultimate question. And at some point, you say, "Is this really, really going to be worth it in the long run?" I I don't know. It, it's just you know, you, everybody hears the numbers, and they either these are intelligent moms and dads, and they know that the odds are really stacked against their kids getting athletic scholarship or a full athletic scholarship, and yet they still feel obligated to, to let these kids keep playing at these elite levels. Uh, to what end? It's, it's, it's difficult. Let's, let's go up to Yorktown. Joe, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick, good morning. How are you? Good, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, my opinion, the answer to your question, and, and I've actually called them with the same idea before, is that I believe it always comes down to education. Uh-huh. I I believe that we have an, and I don't mean to say this in a demeaning way, but I think we have an uneducated consumer base where people buy into the catchy slogans that a lot of these clubs and travel teams have, the promises that they make, when yet, and you understand this because of the business that you're in, and, and, and I'm understanding more and more now, the things that make the super achievers, the super successful, the super recruitable, the blue chip kids, who they are, mm-hmm. it's not where they play. Some of it's cultural. Some of it is just by happen, not by happenstance, but it has a lot to do with their birthdays. I just recently finished the book, the book Outliers, that goes into this at nauseum, and it was a very eye-opening experience for me. Um, but it's educational. It lets people kind of know that when it comes down to things like like club teams or travel teams, um, chances are statistically the birth dates of the kids that are on the team are closer to the cutoff dates on the other end of it. In other words, they're like the if the cutoff date's August 31st, those these are the kids that are born in September, so that by the time the playing season ends, these yeah. are the oldest kids that are so, on the field. I'm, I'm, what, I'm very familiar with Malcolm Gladwell's uh, best-selling book from some years ago, Outliers. And yes, he does go into detail about the fact that there have been these studies where, uh, you know, they, they say the kids who are the more elite players on the, uh, let's say, in soccer or in hockey, they tend to be born the first three months of the year since they're older than and for physically mature than the kids born later in the year. Yeah, that, that's pretty well documented. And I will go so far as to say, Joe, I bet you there are parents out there 
who will be trying to figure out on the calendar when's the best time to conceive a child so that they end up being born in January, February, or March. I mean, that's that's the lunacy we're dealing with here. Uh, but all that being said, it, it still doesn't make any sense as, as the parents, you know, go along. And, Joe, thank you for the call this morning. You know, it doesn't make any sense for parents to spend that kind of money, uh, unless they're fabulously wealthy, I guess, to, to sort of lead their kids to thinking their kids are going to be a superstar. Now, understand, I get the fact that being a sports parent myself, I understand how much fun it is to watch your kids play sports. But as I've said many, many times, at the end of the day, somebody has to be the adult here. Somebody has to be the grown-up and say, you know, let's keep this in perspective. We know that our kids, the vast, vast majority of them are not going to be superstars. That once they finish their, their high school careers or finish with the last club team, uh, when they're 18, they're done. They're not going to play in college. They're not going to be good enough. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's not to, to to throw a wet blanket on their dreams, but somebody has to sort of say, let's take this into consideration. And quite frankly, I will bet you when you talk to your kids as they go through travel teams, by the time they're 15 or 16 or 17 years old, they can see for themselves that they're not going to be an elite player. They don't. You don't have to you know, tell them that. They can see for themselves that, yeah, they're very good, but they're not at the level of, of, of superstardom, and that, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, I, I think that's, that's something that people have to understand. Uh, let's go to a brick and Tom. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. Boy, I tell you, what, let me tell you, in my town, to start out with, you got to be lucky. We have two high schools. One of them is in a section of town where they don't have any problems, really, with the athletic field. Yep. The, t- the side of town that I'm on, we have swamps for athletic fields. Uh-huh. We've been after the school board for years to do something with these fields, especially for baseball. And recently we just had a bond issue get knocked down by 40 votes. And you know what it was for? It was to improve the security in our school systems. It got knocked down by 40 votes. What chance do you think anybody has in getting funding for school athletic fields? Yeah, that Tom, right that's down the bottom of the list. That's and a problem. Same with what you said when you started this. Yeah, about it, it, you know, it's area uh, teams. It can destroy youth sports and the athletics in uh, in high school. Once that's the most important part of a kid's education was. When he went to high school, he became part of something extracurricular, and he learned things from that. It's not there no more. Tom, I, I hear you, uh, and, and uh, thank you for the call. I mean, I, I yeah, it does start. If you're going to maintain a, a, a solid uh, school board situation, a solid community, you're going to have to make sure the community gets out and passes those bonds to improve and enhance, obviously, athletic fields. Uh, obviously, security in a school is essential these days, but you got to pass those. Otherwise, you're basically sort of turning your back on your on your student athletes and saying, in effect, well, we don't have the money to to make it good here for our sports teams, so you might as well go out and play in a, an outside team, in a club team, a travel team. That's always that seems to be the way it is. Anyhow, the problem is it just gets so expensive so fast. Uh, it is a real concern, and that's what we're focusing on today. All right, let me, let me take a time out. When I return, I'm going to tell you about this uh, the situation out in Chicago where this dad dressed up as a high school football ref and what happened after that. Stay with me.
Assistant Dave Deal will tell you about what's happening with the uh, the Giants and the Jets today. Again, that's 9 o'clock football Sunday. Uh, don't forget Sports Psychology Night, Wednesday, December 5th at the Fairlawn, New Jersey Rec Center. There'll be a book signing uh, and discussion of everything on sports psychology. I'm looking forward to that presentation. Uh, tickets are $20 for adults, $10 for teenagers, and for senior citizens. Uh, you can purchase the tickets at the door at the, at the Fairlawn Rec Center, uh, or you can do it uh, online. They go to Brown Paper Tickets. You find event number 366-1337. I'll repeat that, event number 366 uh, th- 1337, or you can call our friend Jack Smithlin at 201-693-2557. Again, 201-693-2557. Again, that's December 5th at the Fairlawn Rec Center. We're talking about sports psychology. Uh, hey, uh, by the way, you know you can track me down over to my website at askcoachwolf.com. You can also follow me on Twitter where I post my comments and thoughts about the shows and what we're talking about and topics here. It's just uh, go to Twitter, ask Coach Wolf. Um, now, <laughs> we haven't talked about the Sports Edge police blotter in some time, but I, I, I saw, this item caught my eye this week, and I had to share it with you. It's out of Chicago. comes from the Associated Press account, so you know it's legit. Uh, the parents of players of a Chicago high school football team have filed a lawsuit claiming that a parent of an opposing player wore a referee's uniform and influenced the outcome of the game. The Simeon Alumni Association and parents of Simeon Career Academy players filed this lawsuit last week against the Illinois High School Association. Simeon had lost a class uh, quarterfinal, class 7A quarterfinal game, 34 to 27, to Nazareth Academy. Uh, and the lawsuit says that a parent of a Nazareth player his dad apparently had worn a referee's uniform uh, throughout the game. He was talking with the officiating crew uh, at the start of the game, uh, and apparently during the course of the event, he was walking up and down the sidelines. The father, his name is Richard Mercado, as I said, he was dressed out in the traditional black and white stripes um, and was <laughs> making himself known throughout the course of the affair, um, but he was not, in fact, working the game. Uh, and he is a ref. He is, by the way, a football ref. But again, he was not assigned to this game between Nazareth Academy and uh, and Simeon Career Academy. Um, it, very strange, very odd to say the least. Uh, Mercado even went on his Facebook page uh, and wrote, "Quote: I didn't make one bad call. I made sure the best team won." <laughs> uh, you know, he also wrote on his Facebook page, "Nazareth needed me. I did what was needed to make sure Naz won." I don't understand any of this stuff, but it shows you this day and age that what parents will go to to basically make a point and then basically to help help make their kids' football team win in a playoff game. We'll see how this plays out in the court, but this is just extraordinary, and I had to share it with you. Okay, let me get back to our topic of the day about pay-for-play. What can we do to help poor parents today whose kids are good athletes who want to play sports uh, in a competitive uh, way, but it's just getting more and more expensive if they're playing on a travel or a club team? Let's go uh, to Keith in Oceanside. Keith, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you today? Good, Keith. Okay, I think um, part of the problem is, is like, I think the high school coaches uh, tried to, you know, they, they got themselves in trouble because years ago, uh, before everything got specialized, they would have their, their summer camps. Yes. You know, you had, you had to play there. Uh, if you wanted to play for their high school team, if you had any aspirations of playing any college you wanted to be seen during the summer, you'd have to go, uh, go to their camps, pay a couple hundred dollars, 
And I think that's what started the whole the whole process. Perhaps. So yes. now, yeah. So now you have um, you know the other coaches seeing that they said you know we can make a living off of this, and then they you know they went you know it's been going a step and a step further. You know when you were, when I was a kid, I know if you wanted to play for Archbishop Malloy, you had to go to the late Jack Kearns basketball camp. If you wanted to play baseball up at Hofstra, you had to go to Rich Martin's baseball camp over in uh, over at the university. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the, the the predecessor to all this pay to play. So like now currently I. Um, I'm an amateur uh, umpire for high school and baseball. So I've been doing it for about 15 years. Now there are so many specialized teams that it's not special no more, and it's actually watering down the product. Right. So these parents are paying for stuff that, um, you know, baseball isn't what it used to be. Lacrosse isn't what it used to be. A lot of these sports, there's too much. I know in my town of Oceanside, there's two, um, there's two baseball teams, depending on what side of the road you live on. So the best third baseman may not be playing with the best shortstop. There's so much specialization that it's actually taking away from the product and not making it as good as it used to be. Well, Keith, that's another interesting observation. You are correct. Because the fact that anybody can put out a shingle and start their own travel or club team, uh, the, the, the so-called elitism uh, has all been diluted and watered down. There are so many of these teams now that, you know, it's not, they're not the best uh, teams. Uh, they're not comprised of the best players. All the best players are sprinkled around, or occasionally there's one superstar club or travel team that will rise to the top, but everybody else, and that they all cost money, the parents pay the money willingly, and they think their kid is a star because they're doing well on the so-called travel team, which in fact is just an average collection of ball players, and, and that's misleading as well. I don't know I agree. How, I, I don't know how you get around that. Well, I agree. I just, you know, right now, a lot of these travel teams, uh, they're just collecting tuition from roster space, roster yeah, space yeah. is 5 through 12, you know, so, and then and that's giving a little false help to those players 5 through 12 that are on the back end of the roster. They might have four or five players that are really good, that are deservedly so on the team, and some of them might even be scholarships. Who knows? They might be paying partial payments, but they have to have that back end to subsidize the program. Yeah. So it's a, you know, I, I, don't, see, I don't see a quick fix. I really don't because, um, you know, whether it's Cub Scouts, whether it's baseball, whatever, whatever have you, uh, if a parent doesn't get the answer that they want to hear, you know what they do? They just join another team. Uh, well, that's and, exactly what happens. If, if a parent feels that, you know, I'm paying this money for my kid to be a, a starter on this uh, so-called travel team and it's not working out, they just uh, take the kid off that travel team and put him on a different travel team. Or they start their own travel team. I mean, there's no, there's no dearth of travel teams. Uh, and as you said, that sort of waters down, dilutes uh, just how good those teams are. And yet the parents still think that's the best way, I guess, to ensure their kid gets a chance to be a star or to develop. But it, it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're getting any better. It just means they're having a chance to play. It's, it's just expensive. That's what the bottom, what the bottom line is. Simple as that. Just to, go, just to go one step further, Rick, I'm, but even at the league level, they do it. You know, this, this league might say this is the new product. That's the top tier. And then that'll be the top tier for two years. And then that league will introduce another league. Uh, to say that now this is the top tier now the you know to compete with the with the alternate league so they, you have multiple leagues you have multiple tiers of what the top league is it's a lot of confusion on the level too many travel teams you know there, there's well, a lot of stuff in in I'm sorry go ahead no as I said the problem is there's a lot of confusion because if you're a sports parent and you're going through this with your kid who's 10 or 12 or 14 you you hear things from other other neighbors other parents but you really don't know because there is no sense of of, um, of total organization or or sort of sort of independent body that ranks these teams and how good they are, you just don't know. So you you take your chances, you pay your money. Uh, it does get very expensive, 
uh, and you hope for the best, but there's no guarantee this is money that's well spent. And as one of the callers mentioned before, he had four kids. It just gets very, very expensive very, very rapidly. And to what end? It, it, that's, that's the concern. Yes, I agree. Listen, Rick, Dick, have a great weekend and uh, good, good job at the show, okay? Thank you, Keith. Thank you for the call. And, and, and that's, that's the concern here, friends. I mean, the fact is because there is no sort of uh, standardized, objective way of, of analyzing just how good these teams are, uh, you don't know uh, what you're paying for. And, and, and as a consequence, uh, for a lot of moms and dads, they say, well, it must be, I heard this is a good program. Uh, I, you know, a neighbor said it was good or the coach is a good guy or whatever. But you just don't know. And the fact is, um, maybe, again, a decade ago when there were fewer travel or club teams, maybe those were elite programs. But not so much, no, you just don't know anymore. Uh, and the same with the showcases. Well, this must be a great showcase, but you don't know because you haven't been through that yet or you haven't seen it yet. All, all these things have one thing in common, though. They all cost a lot of money, and you have to really sort of do your homework as a mom or dad to know exactly whether or not this is money well spent. All right, let me take a time out. I'll be back with more. Sports Radio 1019 FM. Sports Radio 66 WFAN. So I started the show asking for solutions, and, I, and what I'm hearing from the calls, and they've been great calls this morning, I, I do think that the only way to sort of somehow get out of the, the crushing debt that uh, sports parents are going through today when their kids are playing on elite teams is to somehow find a way for the corporations that are involved in sports, uh, and they, if they can find a way in their multi-million dollar budgets to help finance these teams, uh, that might be the way out. Again, I know I'm say that with a cautionary uh, concern with with uh, companies like Adidas and, and the shenanigans they've been involved in with uh, college basketball players. But there have to be other program, other corporations that are trying to reach sports parents who pay for the equipment and pay for the travel and so on and so forth. It would make sense, uh, you know, off the top of my head, uh, you know, companies like McDonald's, uh, Gatorade. Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, uh, Models, uh, Nike, all these companies and more uh, that could really help underwrite a lot of these travel programs so our kids could continue to consume their, con- uh, pursue their, their dreams in sports at the elite level without bankrupting their, their parents. Uh, and and this, is, this is the essence of pay for play. I don't know that that's going to happen soon, but it does make a lot of sense to make that happen uh, in the years to come. It's as simple as that. Because I do think that is going to be ultimately the only solution. Otherwise, uh, it's just going to become a case where of, of the haves against the have-nots when it comes to kids pursuing their dreams in sports. It's as simple as that. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. Uh, my thanks this morning to Brian Rascona, the ball player. Uh, please stick around for Football Sunday. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.